This week, Oaktree and Apollo defend their positions in Claire's bankruptcy. iHeart UCC alleges billions in avoidance claims against secured lenders, and Catalina Marketing receives financing proposals. More on all this, and as always, updates from Puerto Rico and Venezuela. Welcome to the week in Reorg. Hello, and welcome to the Reorg Research Weekly podcast, where we bring you the latest top developments in the news of distressed debt and bankruptcies. I'm Karen Long, reporting from Reorg's offices in New York City. This week, our founder and CEO, Kent Collier, discusses Reorg's transaction with Warburg Pincus and Reorg's next generation client website. Plus, what all of this means for Reorg research going forward. It's Sunday, July 15th. In a back and forth between parties in the Claire Stores bankruptcy, Oaktree filed an objection to the debtor's disclosure statement on Thursday, saying, quote, the debtors continue to serve only as agents for the ad hoc firstling group and the debtor's equity sponsor, Apollo, at the expense of all other stakeholders to whom they owe fiduciary duties. Oaktree takes issue with the debtor's, quote, artificially depressed view of value and a, quote, blazingly quick timeline, and their failure to comply with the court's direction to begin a new expanded sale process. The objection says the disclosure statement notes that the debtor's valuation increased to a midpoint valuation of $1.52 billion as of a projected September 30th, 2018 effective date, up from $1.4 billion on the petition date. Oaktree charges that even accepting the $1.52 billion valuation and using the undisputed amount of the first lien debt claims as of the petition date, quote, it is impossible to understand how value is accounted for and distributed under the plan. According to the objection, the DS does not explain the 72.4% proposed first lien recovery or $288 million first lien deficiency claim. Oaktree also takes issue with the unsecured creditors' proposed 0.53% recovery based on a pro rata share of just under $4 million. Oaktree says that this is misleading because Elliott and Monarch hold most of the first lien deficiency claim. Apollo denied Oaktree's accusations. Quote, any suggestion that Apollo was pulling the strings in the restructuring support agreement negotiations or that it engineered a sweetheart deal for itself at the expense of other similarly situated stakeholders is patently false, Apollo's statement insists. The disclosure statement hearing in this highly contested case is scheduled for July 17th. In the iHeart bankruptcy this week, the UCC filed a redacted motion seeking standing to prosecute avoidance actions, quote, potentially rising well into the billions of dollars against the term loans and PGNs on behalf of the debtors' estates. The committee says that the causes of action, if litigated, quote, can and will have a profound benefit to the debtors' estates and unsecured creditor recoveries and could have a fundamental impact on the posture of these cases. The UCC seeks to challenge the allowance of certain claims under the term loan credit agreement and the PGN indentures and related guarantees, as well as the validity of liens that purportedly secure these claims. The committee argues that iHeart's current plan is unconfirmable, and it would be, quote, patently unconfirmable if the UCC prevailed on just some of the proposed causes of action. If the committee successfully prosecuted the claims, that result would show that the enhanced recoveries for term loan and PGN holders under the plan, quote, would be inequitable as compared to the debtor's unsecured creditors, says the filing. Wilmington Savings Fund Society, as successor Legacy Notes trustee, filed a joinder to the UCC standing motion. 
On Tuesday, Rio reported that Catalina Marketing has received refinancing proposals, including from a group of its existing term lenders. The proposals contemplate $100 million in new money financing, secured by a first lien on currently unencumbered assets. Proposals exchanged by the company and those parties would address the April 2019 mandatory cash pay requirements on their PIC toggle notes, and proposals have contemplated a conversion of the company's PIC toggle unsecured notes into either equity or new unsecured debt, sources told Reorg. A Crescent-led group of PIC toggle unsecured note holders, however, have proposed to the company a refinancing of their notes into secured debt, sources said. The proposal from the term loan lender group advised by Jones Day and Evercore seeks to amend and extend Catalina's existing $1.1 billion term loan tranche due in 2021 and to provide $100 million in new money financing that would be secured by a first lien on currently unencumbered assets, according to sources. Catalina is also in active discussions with its lenders under its revolver maturing in April 2019 and with a group of its second lien lenders regarding amendments and extensions to each of those facilities, sources said. High drama continued in Puerto Rico this week as the Commonwealth's legislature on Monday commenced an adversary proceeding against the PROMESA Oversight Board and certain defendants seeking an injunction prohibiting the board from implementing the 2018-2019 budget. The complaint cites the board's, quote, unlawful usurpation of the Legislative Assembly's legislative power, which places the Commonwealth's, quote, Republican form of government at stake. Among other things, the suit asked the court to declare that the Oversight Board overreached its powers by demanding that the Legislative Assembly approve a bill repealing Law 80, Puerto Rico's Wrongful Dismissal Act, retroactively as a condition for the approval of the Commonwealth's budget. The court will address the new lawsuit at the omnibus hearing scheduled for July 25th. On Thursday, five members of the board of PREPA, Puerto Rico's power authority, quit after Governor Ricardo Rosseo demanded that they lower the proposed $750,000 salary of new executive director Rafael Diaz Granados, or quit. The members who resigned are all, quote, independent members who were selected through a professional executive search process and include Diaz Granados, who was a member before being named by the board to the executive director's post. Quote, when the petty political interests of politicians are put ahead of the needs of the people, the process of transforming the Puerto Rican electricity sector is put at risk, says the resignation letter, copies of which were published by local media. On Friday, Judge Laura Taylor Swain issued an opinion denying Aurelius' motion to dismiss the Commonwealth's Title III petition. Aurelius had argued that the PROMESA Oversight Board members lacked authority to file the Title III petition because they are, quote, officers of the United States subject to the Appointments Clause of the U.S. Constitution, but the Oversight Board members had not been properly appointed. Judge Swain's opinion rejected these constitutional arguments, concluding that the Oversight Board is an instrumentality of the territory of Puerto Rico and Oversight Board members are not officers of the United States. The judge writes that there is, quote, no constitutional defect in the method of appointment provided by Congress for members of the Oversight Board. Turning to Venezuela on Tuesday, the Swiss government sanctioned 11 Venezuelan government officials and high-ranking members of the regime's army forces accused of undermining democracy in the country by usurping powers, facilitating the establishment of the, quote, illegitimate constituent assembly, and serious human rights violations. The sanctions were issued by the Swiss State Secretariat for Economic Affairs, or SECO, 
under the country's sanction program against the government of President Nicolas Maduro issued earlier this year. In total, 18 individuals are included on the updated list. Separately, in a letter to Judge Paul Gardefi of the Southern District of New York, White Beach SNC argued PETAVESA is engaging in a, quote, delay tactic in White Beach's lawsuit against the state-owned oil and natural gas company. PETAVESA has requested a pre-motion conference in front of the judge in anticipation of filing a motion to dismiss the litigation. White Beach argues that PETAVESA is trying to stall the litigation, and this attempt at delay is not insignificant because PETAVESA, quote, already has a judgment against it for $2 billion, and its assets are quickly dwindling. White Beach is suing PETAVESA for an alleged breach of a note agreement and default on a senior guaranteed note in the amount of about $25 million. Other top red stories of the week were, number one, new middle market coverage of Stake and Shake. Lenders organized with Zovo Cooper, King & Spalding. Number two, first energy solutions debtors file bidding procedures motion for retail power sales assets. And number three, Steinhoff to use amendments or Comey shift CVA to extend most of 10 billion euro debt by three years. And now we'll pass it over to Jim Holloway for a preview of what's to come in the week ahead. Well, thank you, Karen, and greetings, everyone. And of course, happy summer from the great state of Texas. Let's get started. Monday, July 16th, earnings and a conference call to discuss the same from Albertsons, the grocery store operator that's in the process of buying Rite Aid a merger which Highfields Capital on Wednesday said was in the best interests of Albertsons and Rite Aid management, but not Rite Aid shareholders. Albertsons also operates Randall's, a Houston grocery store chain. There's one near me, or at least for now there is. I think I mentioned it before. They have great fried chicken. Well, anyways, an HEB grocery that's about the size of the Parthenon opened across the street, and lasts ever since then, you can count the cars in the Randall's lot with two hands and one foot. Tuesday, July 17th, a busy day for the legal crowd with a disclosure statement hearing for Claire's and a first energy status conference and an auction for a bunch of Enduro Resource Partners assets, including some North Louisiana acreage on which Comstock has bid and some other stuff in Wyoming and North Dakota and the assets of Enduro Royalty Trust, which are in Texas, Louisiana, and New Mexico. There is also an auction on Wednesday, July 18th, and this one for Toys R Us distribution centers. Thursday, July 19th, an even busier day for lawyers, with omnibus hearings of First Energy and Toys R Us, a final pretrial in Windstream, oral arguments in General Motors, a PBGC settlement hearing in Appian, and the first day of the Relativity Netflix trial. That trial continues to Friday, July 20th, which will also bring a sale hearing for the aforementioned Enduro auction. And in the words of the great Johnny Cash, goodbye, that's all she wrote. Back to you, Karen. Thanks, Jim. I'm going to hand it off to Teresa Lee and Mark Fisher, who sat down with Reorg's founder and CEO, Kent Collier. I have with me here today, Kent Collier, the founder and CEO of Reorg Research. As the CEO of Reorg Research, Kent leads the development and execution of the company's long-term strategy and manages overall operations and resources. So Kent, clearly a lot has happened since Reorg was founded in late 2012. Reorg has become the leading provider of real-time news, commentary, and analysis on issues affecting the distressed debt, event-driven, and leveraged finance markets, and its products have grown to include research and analysis for the Americas, Europe, 
Latin America, and emerging markets. We have a comprehensive covenants product, which was just expanded to Europe, event-driven that covers the merger ARP space, and are in the process of launching Reorg litigation. And now Reorg has 125 employees worldwide and nearly 20,000 users. So Teresa, before um, we bring Ken in, I wanted to give uh, everybody a personal story with how I discovered uh, Reorg research and um, how I eventually became an employee too. Um, so before I was an employee, I used to be on the buy side and was a reader of Kent's blog, Distressed Debt Investors Club. Um, among many things, it was a great source for idea generation. So there's one company that he wrote about, uh, it was a software gaming company that was in the midst of restructuring. Uh, the company had just filed and it was one of these situations that immediately caught my attention. Uh, it seemed like something fishy was going on uh, from the start. So the company filed mid-December, uh, they were running a 363 uh, sale process and the auction was gonna take place just a couple of weeks after. So essentially, um, bidders, potential bidders, uh, only had uh, the weeks of Christmas and uh, New Year's to go and look at the asset, uh, while the stalking horse bid was um, a, uh, a one of the largest bondholders, and there's also a relationship, I believe, with um, with with the CEO uh, as well. Um, so clearly, something you know look, looked like there's a little bit more to this asset, um, and uh, the start, the bidder wanted to keep it for themselves and limit anybody else to coming in. So I emailed uh, Kent. And he went over the financials with me, uh, went over the legal aspects of the case and the auction process. And uh, after talking with him, I bought a position in the bonds. Uh, the auction was delayed. Um, it's actually as he discussed, as he told me. And um, then a couple of weeks later, on the new auction date, I actually got a call down from Delaware Courthouse. It was Kent. Uh, reporting, uh, you know, live from uh, for, from the case, um, he gave me an update on the proceedings, uh, including uh, the results of the auction. So I ended up making money uh, on this, and then a few weeks later, uh, he came to my office and told me that he was looking to launch Reorg Research and asked if uh, my firm, my fund, would be a subscriber. So didn't think twice, uh, you know, immediately signed up, and um, you know the reasons why. I mean, aside from making us money. It's, I had never seen that model before that he brought to the table. So um, just in, in a couple of conversations, uh, what Ken had brought to me was a full financial analysis, um, full legal analysis, and then reporting straight from, uh, from the courthouse itself. And um, you know, I immediately saw the value in bringing all those things together. Uh, so Ken, um, you know, first, um, did I get it right? Did I get your vision uh, correct? Um, you know, why don't you tell us about um, you know how you saw um, uh, Reorg Research when you started? Yeah, I mean, the the way it originally started was all around dockets, and I think a lot of people know that. You know, Pacer is not the best system. I was getting picked off on trades, on information, even though I would be the axe on a situation or I knew everything about a situation. I some would something would happen on the docket something would happen in a courtroom in the united states overseas and i would know about it and bonds would move against me or move you know i was short goes up whatever it is and i just didn't think that was fair and uh so you know in 2011 i hired a team to build a technology that basically is the architecture for what reorg started now you we used to use sort of simple rules-based filtering for the dockets we use machine learning now and it's just it's just exploded. I mean, a lot of people ask me, did you envision what this would become? No, I mean, not a chance. Any entrepreneur that says that is, is lying. But I think I've always tried to believe, I've always believed that 
information should be sort of out there. Decision makers should be judged by their skill, by their prowess, not by their access to information. So if something's buried in an SEC filing or something's buried in a transcript or a docket or in a courtroom, a private courtroom, an auction, if someone's getting lucky because they get that information first because they manually hit refresh on Pacer, that person should not get the capital. The person should actually get the capital should be the one that made the right decision, right? Um, and I think we're trying to make information more efficient, right? I don't think particularly we make the markets more efficient um, because a lot of people are, are using our services um, and using it for a number of reasons, right? So we start in the US and we start in bankruptcy. And when we first started, I had four or five employees. I had one salesperson, Tim Gray, who many people know. Um, I had Sarah Gafter, who now uh, runs the US editorial product and a few others. And uh, we were just writing about bankruptcies. I don't know if you remember, we wrote about KV Pharmaceuticals. Uh, we wrote a lot about Lehman, um, a number of you know, the Nortels of the world, the, the names that really sort of, the people that sort of grew up in the cycle, the back end tail of that, those names that we sort of became really intimately familiar with. And then we expanded to stressed high yield, high yield. In 2015, we started Europe. Um, we hired two amazing journals in Europe, Mario and Julie. And, um, you know, we continue sort of, you know, rolling down that hill. We started a covenant product, which I think is by far the best in the market on the secondary coverage. We don't do primary, but we're just the ax on many of the big high yield issuers. Um, we have the merger product, like Teresa was saying, and, you know, it's been amazing. I'm super blessed. I'm super humbled by the amazing people that I work with, like you two, um, even though this is the first time you've asked me on the podcast. And I've just, I could not be any luckier. And I love what I do. The vision of the company is to be the leading provider of best in class business, excuse me. The vision of the company is to be the best in class provider of complex and opaque business information. We care very little about Facebook's earnings. We care a lot about Facebook's tax litigation in the Northern District of California. There is a uh, court inside the Library of Congress. It's called the Court of Copyrights. There's very few entities that cover that. We cover it, even though it may affect a Pandora or a Sirius. So if it is complex and opaque, we want to use technology uh, where we sort of lead um, and the passionate experts, the, the analyst, lawyer, and reporter model, which I think is the first, we're the first people that ever really did it, and just make the world smarter, right? Whether it be investment managers or hedge fund managers or lawyers or advisors or corporations, because there's too much information, right? If you think about the amount of information coming to any one decision maker at any one time, it's growing geometrically. And we use technology to filter that down and then smart people like you two to filter down even further to build this content stream that I really truly does think the world, make the world smarter. So Kent, going hand in hand with uh, the vision that you just outlined for us in June, Reorg announced an investment by Warburg Pincus. So when did you decide that it was time to bring in a partner and why after five plus years did you believe that now is the right time? Yeah. So, you know, Reorg is right over 125 employees um, right now. Fair, very, very large business in soon to be three geographies. You know, we're in, we have an office in New York, DC, London, soon to be Hong Kong. Um, and so we were looking for a partner that would help us scale to the next level. Um, we have 
uh, formerly had amazing growth equity partners in Susquehanna Growth Equity. Um, and we're looking to one, grow organically. The way that I sort of describe our growth, uh, I describe it in the example of a cube. And uh, the first way that we grow is, is the most natural motion is sort of the geographic growth. So we're gonna start an Asia high yield distressed coverage practice. The next is true vertical growth. So reorg litigation intelligence, we're writing about healthcare litigations, big pharma litigations, nothing that affects distressed debt, maybe unless you're a Teva or a Valiant, but big, big healthcare names, you know, the opioid litigations, right? We're really the only people out there that are truly covering it. Patent litigation has nothing to do with distressed debt. So that's true vertical growth. Doing merger ARB, again, extremely complex and opaque niche. That is the true vertical. And we will do each of those verticals in the the various geographies. So we're doing, for example, we have a covenant product in the United States. We are doing a covenant products in Europe. We will do a covenant product in Asia eventually. And then the third avenue of growth that I really think it takes us to the next level, we have less experience, but we're starting to gain a lot of traction is into the sort of the personas that historically have not bought reorg research. So corporations, you know, if we truly are, which I believe the leading provider of credit tail intelligence, so the companies that are doing poorly, where securities are trading less than 90 cents on the dollar or 80 cents on the dollar, we know more about those companies than probably anyone on earth other than counsel or the company themselves. So if you're a supplier to one of those companies, you should have reorg research. And we, we are going to make a concerted effort to sell into that market as well. So Warburg, I think, brings uh, a tremendous amount of experience in vertical SaaS. They're known, they are the best, the one of the best, if not the best growth equity investors on earth. Um, they are known for deep SaaS, deep vertical SaaS experience. We are the definition of a deep vertical SaaS company. And um, they bring pattern recognition. So for instance, if we want to open up an office in Asia, Warburg has done that a hundred times or Warburg's portfolio companies have done that a hundred times. So our general counsel can call their general counsels and say, hey, how should we do this? So the pattern recognition and just scaling, right? I have never scaled a company before, right? I have run this company, I hope successfully, um, for five years. And I'm looking to learn. A company will always scale faster than any one human being can. So I have to invest a lot in myself. I have to invest a lot in the leadership team and they help with that. I also think the big, a huge opportunity for us is in M&A. And we've looked at a number of deals in the past um, and we're actively looking at deals now. That's what Warburg does, right? Um, I was on the buy side, I, as, as Mark alluded to, I bought distressed securities, I bought high yield securities my entire career. Um, buying companies is a whole nother game and they are the best at it, right? So let's bring them in. What we lead with, what we're good with in content and technology and distribution, we can really supercharge companies that we buy. Um, I would say many of the B2B information providers out there are not strong technology. We're very, very strong technology, and that's something that we can get big synergies out of. You know, I think about Reorg not as a place, the website Reorg, and I know we're going to talk about a 3 dot in a second. Um, I, I view it as a place where people come to do their job, not to just read stories, right? We have... 30, 40 sort of key features on our site, super powerful SEC search, advisors database, mergers database. And I think at the end of the day, people come to reorg, whether you're on the buy side, a lawyer, a banker, to do their job, to find the information that matters. Whereas many B2B information providers, they, people go onto the site to read the stories. So if you can add deep data, deep content, deep technology workflow to some of these B2B information providers, 
one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals five. And I think that's a massive opportunity for us. I also think if you think about us um, and that natural motion of expanding geographically, um, you know, taking some risk off the table in buying a company that's already established in a new geography is something that's super important and, and potentially very valuable. So I brought them in because they are the best at what we do in terms of vertical SaaS. They're excellent at tuck-in and portfolio company M&A. They've got the pattern recognition and I could not be happier with such an amazing partner. But you know, clearly you, you started uh, in the credit space. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's what, um, you know, that's what Reorg was founded on. Um, you know, when you talk about all these, um, these, these areas of growth, are you, are you talking about um, potentially moving beyond um, the credit space? Or do you still think there's a lot of area, um, and specifically within distressed, that, uh, that we could grow in? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. So we have to continue making the base and the core products better and stronger. I have amazing leaders in the U.S. America's product and the European product. Really, all my products have amazing leaders. But those two products make up a big chunk of our revenue. And we have to continue innovating. People know in the company, I'm sure you two do, that my core value is continuous improvement. We constantly have to be improving the product. Whether that means going broader in terms of coverage, having new types of coverage, um, you know, we've never done an excellent job on the middle market. We're expanding deeply into the middle market in the United States. We're doing an amazing job with the launch of Reorg Covenants Europe. So we're definitely going deeper and broader in credit. Um, I would say, generally speaking, Reorg is covering most of the market that's trading below 95, maybe even close to crossover at this point. Um, so let's go deeper. Let's go, let's do innovative, uh, content. Um, let's add more data sets. At the same time, the vision of complex and opaque is not constrained to credit. The vision is not complex and opaque credit business information. Yes. It's complex and opaque business information. And so just an example, litigation intelligence, while the opioid crisis has a lot of, you know, CNN, a lot of stories, sort of mass media coverage. Name me two entities that are covering the court that we are. Just not, doesn't exist, right? And that information is extremely valuable to the equity investors or credit investors that are along the various named parties in the litigation. So I hold true to the vision. The mission of the company is to empower our subscribers through powerful technology and passionate people and make them smarter, right? Again, not constrained by credit. But all that being said, I believe truly we are the best in US and Europe in terms of tail credit risk, anything trading below 95. We gotta continually get better, nonstop. And for those who love the product the way it is today, what can you tell our subscribers and users about what's not going to change? That's a great question. Um, and I would say, you know, Warburg's not in the business of running companies, right? They're gonna help me grow this into a monster. Um, the coverage, we're investing a lot in the company. Warburg is a growth investor, right? They're not coming into slash cost or whatever it might be. Um, they want us to grow stronger. We want to add more resources to all the products existing and new. Um, we are investing a tremendous amount in technology. We're investing a tremendous amount in broadening the editorial reach. So I think from a subscriber's perspective, you're going to see, um, and I know, again, we're going to talk about 3.0 in a second, you're going to see 
continued great coverage of what we've always done, expanded breadth and deeper in some of the names we haven't traditionally covered. Um, you know, going from call it 500 names to 750 names by adding more resources at reorg. And our model, again, analyst, lawyer, reporter is a costly model, but I think our subscribers appreciate it because we are not the Wall Street Journal. We are not a sell side investment banking research report and we're not a law firm client memo. We're somewhere in between and it's very unique. And I think doing that across more companies in a different part of the credit life cycle, in different situations, people find valuable. On the technology side, investing heavily in the site, investing heavily in the workflow, investing heavily in data um, and data acquisition, adding more data to the system generally. Um, so, you know, I track, and many people in the revenue organization know this, I track um, NPS, net promoter score, usage, just, you know, how delightful of an experience are people having on the website? And I want that to be better every single day. I am a product-driven CEO, obviously. Anyone that knows me will, will say that. I'm, a, I'm addicted to the product. I want to make the product the best one in the market. I know it is the best one in the market, but again, continuous improvement is a key part of my philosophy and the way I run the company. So we just get better, or we try to get better, and we hope our subscribers appreciate that. So you teased us then with uh, Reorg 3.0 um, for everybody listening, uh, coming out later this summer. Um, Reorg 3.0 is what we call it internally. Um, but you know, Ken, please uh, you know describe um, the, the release to us. Um, you know, first, why why now? Why is it time to come up with yeah, a brand so, new product? So if if people remember from 2012 and 2013, and even really 2014, um, the website was a fairly static website. There was very little data running through the original. Website website. So dockets, the core docket product, the intelligence, a few other line items like the calendar and the data pages. Um, and then we released version two in 2015. And what's happened is in 2015, we were probably collecting on average 10,000 documents a day across all sources. Today, I would guess we're collecting 50 to 100,000 documents a day. So the amount of data that we're pushing into our system is is unheard of. We have, uh, I think on last check, over 10 terabytes of text data, which is unheard of. We're basically a big data company um, that operates this super powerful editorial product that everyone, I think, appreciates. And so we had to change the framework uh, to make the experience better, the user experience better. And we did a tremendous amount of mock-ups. We did it. We have a customer advisory board that helped us a lot with this. Um, we talked to a lot of our customers of what they were using the website for, what they wanted out of the website, efficiency gains, effectiveness gains, speed gains. And that means we had to do a real refactoring of the front end of the website. Um, in addition, if you think about what Reorg was in 2013, 2014, covering 50 to 100 names, and now globally covering probably 1,000 names, and people saying, hey, you know, you are now competing from a platform standpoint with the majors, right? Why do I need to go to XYZ major B2B information provider when I can just do it at Reorg? And more and more people are doing that every day. You know, if you think about Reorg's user base of, you know, nearly 20,000 now, a big, big portion of those people are using the traditional docket alerting system. More and more people every day are using our SEC alerting system. We have one of the most powerful SEC alerts on the market. We have a powerful transcript alerting system. 
And so instead of using a Bloomberg or whatever it might be to get your alerts, people just do it on Reorg now. And more and more people are doing that, right? So we have to be cognizant that the customer is using the site more and more every day. More customers are using it, more sessions. And so with the amount of data, we just have to make it a better experience. So we, again, we did mock-ups and we have, um, for the last month, we've internally, as you guys know, have been running sort of internal beta. We started to close in beta last week and we're getting a tremendous amount of feedback, really positive indications already about the new website. Speed performance, just general UI UX uh, navigation issues are fixed. And the framework is such that we are able to add features and platform features and more data sets to the new version three because it is a standardized mockup. Um, and you guys will see it when when uh, it goes live towards the end of the month. So that's the reason it's, it's more data. We want to make, again, uh, a better, you know, the term is fairly silly, but a more delightful experience. I, I, I truly believe that. I want our subscribers and trialists um, and, and people using the website to love the product. I think they love the product now, but let's make it better, right? Let's constantly improve the, the workflow. And I think because we are a metrics sort of uh, product-driven organization, I think innovating on the product is one of our core strengths. And what we want to do is we want to make sure we listen to the feedback of the subscribers and build the product that really that they want versus the product that maybe Kent wants. So would you say that there is more of a focus on data in the investing industry in general? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, alternative data, it's, it's its whole industry now. You know, a lot of the data that we're collecting is all source data, source data from the US, source data from international economies. You know, we're not uh, republishing, you know, uh, sell-side research reports, for instance. Um, we want to give the subscribers as much source data as possible, as fast as possible, in the cleanest way possible, um, where you can do, again, your job on real research. So that is obviously a huge focus. Um, my thesis, which I hope holds true, is that the US government is so far advanced in terms of financial and legal disclosure relative to the G20 economies. So you've, if, you, if you would give the US a 10 on financial and legal disclosure, and that's talking about uh, sec.gov and pacer.gov respectively, which no one is going to say are great systems, but let's give them a 10 just for the analogy purposes. Most of the G20 is less than a three, but that is going to change. I believe transparency is the norm and transparency. There will be more financial and legal disclosure over the next 10, 15, 20 years. There has to be right. Capital flows are international in nature. U S investors are not going to over the long run, invest in opaque economies. It just, you just lose money. It's harder to, so whether it be Singapore or Canada or Mexico or France or Italy, there will be more financial and legal disclosure. So the amount of information that's going to come to a financial or legal professional in the next 20 years is going to increase, again, geometrically. So we just have to be cognizant of that, right? We have to set up our website and our data, backend databases to accommodate that. And that's what we're doing. We're laying the groundwork today understanding that that 50,000 documents that we're getting a day is going to probably be 100,000 in a year and probably 250,000 in two years. And we just have to be ready for that. Because again, our model is such that we use super powerful machines 
um, to filter that 50,000 items into a usable stream for our editorial team, those people then write the content streams that everyone's reading on a daily basis. Again, we're taking 50,000 data points or items, SEC filings, dockets, and turning it into the 50 to 100 stories we write every day. And that is going to continue, you know, whether it be in Asia or, you know, European event driven. Um, but yeah, I think the trend is to more data. The problem is, is humans, we just don't evolve fast enough. You have to use technology to sort of harvest it all. And, and how about though, on the other side, uh, you know, we're, we're, in, we're, we're receiving that data, we're interpreting it, we're bringing it out to the customers, but what sort of gets the process going where the rest of the G20 starts to release that data? That's a great question. I wish I knew. I mean, you know, obviously ECB um, or the EU, EU, excuse me, is uh, looking for, for example, a standardization of restructuring protocol, right? We know Italy is starting, is starting to build or trying to build a pacer. Um, it's happening, right? Um, Companies House has invested a lot. Companies House is effectively an SEC-like equivalent in the United Kingdom. Companies House has invested a lot in their technology. So I don't know what the trend is. I think it's just a game of inevitability, to be very candid. I think over time, whether it be, you know, when one person does it, more people are going to do it, right? If you think about Canada, Canada is a really interesting example. Canada has Cedar. Um, which is effectively, again, the SEC equivalent. But see, no one will say Cedar is a great system. It's not a bad system, but it's not a great system. But Canada dockets, almost impossible to navigate. Um, and it's not like there's going to be less money invested in Canada in the next 20 years. You have to be very short the world economy to think there's going to be less financial legal disclosure. And you just can't be short the world economy. So... Again, I don't know what sets it off, but I, I just know it's a trend that we have to be a part of. Um, and if XYZ hedge fund manager is getting more and more data sent to them, they're not, I mean, are they going to add twice as many analysts? No, they're going to use someone like us or technology to sort of solve that information overload problem and then try to make insightful decisions out of it. So what do you think Reorg's proposition is in this new world of data? What does Reorg have to offer that its competitors don't have? Again, I think we lead we lead very strong on technology and content. You know, we as as people I think forget, when I started Reorg, there was no editorial product. We have by far the best content team on earth. It's not even close, right? Our analysts, lawyers and reporters are world class. Um it started with a system to track dockets, right? So we always led with technology. And I think our content team and our subscribers love the content, love the intelligence. Um, so at the end of the day, we know that we're going to be doing more content, similar model, analyst, lawyer, reporter is the model in different geographies and in different verticals. There will be data to support all of that. Um, so for instance, the mergers database, we have a very powerful mergers database on event driven, something we were never doing before, right? We looked at the competitors. We said, how are people tracking merger arbitrage situations? And there was not a good platform out there. So we built it, right? We talked to customers and we built it. So if I, from a feature standpoint can save subscribers, let's say on average, we're saving our subscribers an hour a day. Our subscribers are not low paid people. You know, they're, they're lawyers, they're hedge fund traders, they're bankers, corporate risk managers. So if I can save them two hours a day, 
Um, that's a powerful proposition just on the efficiency gains. Add that all the intelligence that we're bringing them. If you think about distressed debt investing in 2010 or 2009, if you were a lawyer in a case and you weren't involved in the case, were you up on the case? You were at Kirkland. It was difficult. It was difficult, yes. You could maybe check Pacer. Maybe there was uh, one or two articles out from another service. At Reorg, now every legal professional knows about what's going on in all the other cases because of Reorg. That, I think, makes them better attorneys. If you're in a hedge fund manager and you weren't involved in a situation, and, and you can answer this, maybe you got a sell-side blast, but you weren't deeply familiar with the situation. So with Reorg, you can be on top of all these situations, right? Um, and maybe we're, you know, we're not giving investment recommendation. We're just trying to make you smarter. It's all we're trying to do. Um, and we do it with a very unique model. So I think over time, we're going to lead with content. Um, we're going to build really powerful technology and really powerful databases. We're going to save you time with that. And we're going to make you smarter. I think that is the playbook. That is what we're doing. So, you know, clearly a lot going on, a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, what though, what, what, what are you most excited about? I mean, I am beyond blessed for when we're at today. Again, I alluded to earlier, if you asked me what this would become five years ago, I was way off. You know, I think I probably missed my original, you know, I, I overshot my projections by 8x, right? Amazing sales team. You know what I mean? So what am I most excited about? I'm most excited about this partnership with Warburg Pincus. Um, it was a grueling process. Um, and I think I picked one of the best partners out there, if not the best partner out there. And I think um, because we have that sort of muscle, for lack of a better term, behind us, um, I think it allows us to scale faster and we grow extremely quickly. Um, we're going to grow faster. We're going to grow faster next year than we did this year. We grew faster this year than we did last year. And we're going to invest. We're going to invest heavily in the new content teams. We're going to invest heavily in the existing content teams. We're going to invest heavily in the technology team. And 3.0 is obviously a big testament to that. And we're going to hopefully buy some companies. Hopefully we, you know, the, the, we got to find the right teams, the right content set, the right data sets to partner with and hopefully supercharge them with our model, right? That's what I'm excited about. I think at the end of the day, Reorg can be one of the one, if not the leading provider of this information on earth, right? We have the bones and the framework to do it. We have, I believe, the culture to do it. I'm a crazy, you know, I'm, a, I'm addicted to the vision. I love it. I am. I try to embody it. And, you know, if I accomplish, if we accomplish our vision of being best in class of complex and opaque business information, we will have changed the world. Um, and I know that's, you know, pie in the sky thinking, but I truly believe that. And that makes me very, very excited. So Ken, thanks for joining me and Mark today. Um, it's been great to have you on. And I hope all of our listeners have learned a lot about uh, what Reorg has in its future. Thanks for joining us today. That's all for this week. As a reminder, you can access all Reorg Research podcasts on our media page, or if you're not a subscriber, you can access them on iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm Karen Lung, and this has been The Week in Reorg.